listening to the Colorado Springs Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by the Envision Advisors at Your Castle Real Estate. Hey, Colorado Springs, Chris Lopez here with my co-host Jenny Bayless. And today we're going to talk about a single family rental that she recently closed on with a client. Jenny, good morning. How are you again? Good morning, Chris. I'm doing great. How about yourself? Doing really good. Just, uh, you know, recording the morning of before our big uh, first party. So I'm very excited. So it's going to be a really good day. And talking deals, going to go talk real estate in person with no mask on, have a talk, have a drink. It's going to be a really, really good day. So I'm excited. Um, anyway, back to this. So set us, set us, set us the stage for the client and his property. Yeah. So this is, um, a repeat client and he purchased his first property with us, um, back in February, I think it was. And he had recently leveraged his primary home because he had built a lot of equity in it. And, um, he was using some of the equity from, from his primary to purchase a couple of rental properties. So he wanted to buy two in the Springs. Um, so this is the second one. And we had been looking for a while. It was a little rough uh, when we started looking for his second one. Um, I think it was that March, April timeframe when there was like, you know, three houses for sale in the whole city. So um, we finally got this one locked up. It's a really great rental property. It's, um, it's, smaller, um, in size. I think it's only like 900 square feet and it's a three bed, one bath. So everything's really condensed, but you know, in my opinion, I actually think that's really good for a rental property because people are just looking for bedrooms. And the appeal of this one is that it has a really large backyard. So, um, people with pets, um, can, can take advantage of that. And it's, uh, right next to Fort Carson. All right. So I'm gonna pull up the spreadsheet now. So single family rental investment property, what was the, uh, the the purchase price and the purchase process like? So the purchase price ended up being two ninety one three hundred, dollars um, And I'm trying to remember how we arrived at that. I think we were originally under contract at $295 and it did not appraise. I can't remember what it appraised for, um, but the client did have a gap on it. Um, and then the uh, 1,300 piece of it was part of a negotiation because um, kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but it, it all makes sense is that during inspection, we found out that there were major structural issues that we were able to negotiate for the seller to take care of, but the structural company was booked out um, quite a few weeks. So we had to push out closing, um, because the buyer did not want to assume the risk, uh, you know, via, uh, a, a vendor credit or, or an escrow into uh, with title or anything like that, just in case they got down there and there were, you know, more pervasive issues. So we decided to push out closing and in doing so, the sellers didn't want to pay another mortgage payment. So that's where that 1300, uh, came in to, kind of make both parties happy on that. Oh, that's an interesting, interesting twist. Yeah. But it makes sense. And that's all part of, and this is why it's always interesting to talk about deals because everyone is always different and there's always Mm -hmm. those little nuances to where you can keep the deal together and then make it a win-win for both the, the buyer and the seller. 
Exactly. Yeah. And it's really as simple as, you know, the, the two agents coming together and saying, okay, do you, you know, my client, this is what's most important. And then, you know, the other person will say, well, to my client, this is what's most important. Okay. Well, there's definitely a, a really good possibility that there's a solution, um, to make both parties moderately happy. Um, you know, in most cases. All right. So 291, 300 acquisition cost. Um, so he's all in at 11,500. So I just put 10,000 in that slot. All right. So 10,000 for acquisition and about 1,500 for a loan cost. Mm-hmm. Seller credits, it sounds like zero. Zero. Initial repair cost? Zero. All right. And then what's the down payment? So I looked at his closing disclosure, it was 23%. Um, and I never asked him how they came to that amount. So. <laughs> okay. Well, we will, <laughs> we'll go with that then. <laughs> all right. Yep. So 23%, um, all in for about $78,000 on a $291,000 single family rental interest rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, 3.875 for 30 years. All right. So another great interest rate. So sub four that we're seeing. Yep. And then what's the rental income like on this property? We're budgeting 1600 and then for vacancy, rent increases, all this stuff, we'll kind of keep our standard assumptions at 3%. Mm-hmm. And then property management. So he's self-managing, so, so zero for that. And then, and then repairs 8%. and maintenance, 8%. Yeah. HOA? No HOA. Mm-hmm. All right. And then taxes, insurance, all this stuff? So yearly taxes is 1270 and yearly insurance is 1134. Utilities, are these owner paid or tenant paid? They are all tenant paid. Okay, so zero for water and sewer, zero for Mm -hmm. trash, zero for electric, and then for lawn care and snow removal, is that on the tenant's responsibility as well? Yes. Okay, so zero all across the board. Now I'm gonna scan up back up here again before we go over to the returns tab. Oh, for the rent income. So you're estimating sixteen hundred. Mm-hmm. Is that is that pushing it? Because I know the last, you know, quite a few deals that you've done recently. You know, you and your tenants or you and your clients have opted to kind of be more aggressive on the rents. Like, hey, we think it'll be in that whatever, like you know, fourteen hundred, and it comes in at fifteen fifty. Like you guys <laughs> had some very aggressive rents. So where does this fall on the on the rent scale? On like that. So rent- I actually. Yeah, I think this is actually spot on. Um, you know, you know me. Normally, I, I undershoot uh, when we underwrite something, but I think sixteen hundred is very realistic. But I could be proven wrong. Maybe he'll get more than that. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I think I think that's right down the middle. Okay. So now going to the cash flow tab, we are looking at an annual rental income about nineteen thousand two hundred. Subtract out vacancy, subtract out annual expenses. NOI is about $14,700. Less the mortgage payments of $12,600 a year leaves an annual cash flow about $2,000 a year. Mm-hmm. So 2.6% cash on cash return and a 5% cap rate. So for single family homes, I mean, these are good numbers. Yeah, yep. That's This is right in line with what I would consider a good single family um, deal in this market five cap. That's, 
you know, I, I've been telling a lot of people that anything in the high fours for a single family is good. So the fact that he's at a five, I think, I think that's really good. So I'm curious if we added in property management, what would that do the number? So we'll say property management, what, 8%, 10%, what should we put in here? Probably 10. Okay. I think that's appropriate. So we'll say 10%. Now that drops it to basically like a break-even cash flow of about $100 a year. So we'll call that break-even. And it drops the cash on cash to 0.1% and a cap rate of 4.4. So is he self-managing because he just likes being hands-on or is it to help get extra cash flow? Do you know his attitude on there? Yeah, definitely to help get extra cash flow. Um, You know, he and I have had a quite a few conversations about self-managing single family properties. And, um, you know, we both kind of feel it's probably worth our time. Um, you know, $2,000 a year for him to go down once or twice a year. Uh, I think that's probably a good return on his time. Um, just cause single family homes are a little bit more hands-off um, okay. in this case. Yep. So I'm gonna go back and just check out the property management on here. And so let's talk about this for a minute about self-management because I believe, I know this client lives up here in Denver. I think he's like Mm -hmm. Centennial area, if I remember correctly. So he's in like South side of Denver. For him to drive down to this property, how long is that? Would you Uh, say? About an hour. Okay. Yeah. So an hour each way. So yeah, it's going to take, it's a morning or afternoon trip to go down there and do whatever and then come back up. Mm -hmm. Um, But it sounds like it should only take him a handful of trips a year is the expectations. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And so like I said, so it's very, so from a high level, it's doable for people living in Denver to self-manage properties in the Springs. Yes. Okay. I can attest to that because I had lived in Parker for, I guess, the first four years of uh, owning Colorado Springs rental properties as a self-manager. So um, it's definitely doable. Sometimes it's kind of a pain, but you know, I, I've managed to, to suck it up and <laughs> move forward with that. So, and obviously it's worked because I mean, you, you still self-manage, um, yeah. you've had great track record and I've not heard you complain about it too much. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think, I think it's worth it, you know? <laughs> All right. So overall, we are still looking at an annual return about 20% on, you know, 21% on the money investing, then getting appreciation, cash flow, debt pay down, and tax benefits back. And do you expect like, because, you know, the previous podcast record was a fourplex. This is a single family home. And I get this question for Denver, so I'm asking you this question for the Springs. Do you expect one to outperform the other in terms of appreciation? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um think if I had to make a wild guess, I think that the fourplex that we had just done, I think we'll probably see more appreciation in the short term because there's just no inventory. And I know we complain about the inventory um, of single family homes, but there's even lower, uh, you know, inventory in in terms of what the the general population size for uh, multifamily properties. So I think that that one, based on supply and demand alone, will probably see a little bit more appreciation until, I don't know, maybe if rates get a little bit higher and, and investors are less interested in just leveraging these larger properties. Um, but I still think that single families, townhomes are going to see really, really good appreciation over the next couple of years here. 
Interesting. So you actually think there might be a little bigger appreciation bump in the in the multis, huh? I For do, short just because they're, they're so rare right now. So. Okay. Well, yeah, we'll see how next year plays out. Because people <laughs> ask me this question. I'm like, I'm like, I, I go, I generally would think like you'll probably make a little more appreciation single family. I did not think about though, about the inventory, about just how, because we're the same way, you know, we have very low inventory up here and, and the multis is just super low. I don't think we're quite as bad as you guys for multis down there. Um, but I never thought about how much just not having in there makes a difference. Yeah. And I think the interest rate is playing into that as well. So if, if that goes up a little bit, I imagine that it'll be less appealing to investors to, to park their money there just for the sake of parking it, which is what I think a lot of people are doing right now. Um, whereas we're on the hunt for properties that actually make sense as a investment property. So yeah. that's kind of what I'm seeing. You're seeing this a lot of investors in general, just park their money and they don't really mm -hmm. care about the immediate returns. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas our clients are more fundamental focused, which, uh, that's what we're looking for. Yes. <laughs> I agree. All right. So this is a really good rental. It's a single family that our your client in Denver can self-manage. Solid numbers, gonna be solid long-term play here. What other comments do you have about this this property just in general? Um, it was a really cute house. Whoever had lived there had done upgrades to the kitchen, bathroom. Um, the exterior looked really nice and now it's structurally sound. So I think that this will serve him well, um, for many years to come as being just a really simple, straightforward, uh, single family home, hopefully. Wonderful. So for our listeners out there, you said this is a, a pretty good deal. I think was mm -hmm. the, the phrase you used. So yep. is it an assumption right now from saying, hey, I'm looking to buy a single family rental in the Springs here. That if I buy something at, you know, 20%, 25% down with property management, I'll probably be about to break even without property mm -hmm. management and cash flow, a couple bucks a year. Yeah, I okay. think that's a really good blanket statement for where we're at right now. Perfect. All right, yeah. Jenny. Thank you. As always, I've learned something. I appreciate it. And if listeners out there want to get in touch with you, best way is just to email you, right? Correct. Yeah. Email Jenny at envisionrea.com. And uh, we'll get you set up. We'll talk the market with you. We'll figure out the right you know, strategy, figure out what your situation, your goals, mix up the, the capital you have, and then go out there and find a single family home, go out there, find a fourplex, whatever it is. This is what we do. So thanks, Jenny. Thanks, Chris.